Welcome to the Everything Theatre podcast, brought to you by Everything Theatre, a theatre review and interview website covering more than just London Fringe Theatre. Each week we'll bring you interviews with some of the best that Fringe Theatre has to offer. We'll talk to theatre makers about new shows, hear about the art of making the plays, talk about some of the wonderful venues you may never have heard of before. In short, we will chat Everything Theatre and what makes it tick. So let's dive straight in and hear what today's episode has to offer. I've got Jack Condon with me today. Jack is the writer of an upcoming play called If Destroyed Still You, um, which is coming to the Hope Theatre 26th of April to the 14th of May. Jack, love to meet you. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and then what the play is about? Yes, love it. It's one little note. It's actually if destroyed, still true. I've written you down. That's a good start, isn't it? <laughs> it tells us about yourself first, Jack, and then we'll talk about the play. Smashing. Uh, yeah, so I'm Jack Condon. I'm a, an actor and a writer. Grew up in a place called Elton in South East London. I discovered I discovered acting quite late, to be honest. It wasn't something that was really pushed in the uh, the community I grew up in. But after some time, ended up going to RADA, and when I was there. I think while I was training as an actor there, I really, this desire started, this desire to write and I think get stories. I think I noticed a lot of the brilliant texts we were working on didn't necessarily reflect experiences that I've had or I, could, I struggled to see myself in a lot of it. I, th- I firmly believe that fear is for all people. And I mean, as I, I think I'm a living example of that. I, I had no idea this is the way my life would go. And it's, I, I think I got very fortunate. I saw some brilliant shows and joined some great like young acting groups, community acting groups. And they really inspired me to get out there and learn more. And I think with my writing, especially I want to sort of tell stories about underserved groups. And I really want to prove that theater can be very accessible and can have a huge effect on people's lives. So that's, that's where I'm coming at it from. That's quite quite interesting, actually. So let's go back to that. What you've mentioned there about, you started writing to reflect, you know, because you didn't see you, you didn't see your something that represented you on stage, yeah. Mm, yeah, I've, I, you know what? That, I've I've had a few people say exactly the same thing to me. It's really interesting that that's what they wrote because they wanted to write plays, because especially like actor writers um, like yourself, I suppose, isn't it? I had um, Charlotte and Tilly said exactly the same thing to me. She oh, wrote right. almost a doll because she said she didn't see any plays that she wanted to act in. Mm. <laughs> And I suppose it's sort of similar thing, isn't it? That you know, you know, you're coming in from you're coming in from a different life experience. Absolutely, and um, and also like highlighting the significance of those stories. That's a big thing we're pushing at Jawbones Theatre is that our niche, so to speak, is the telling of epic everyday stories, and they are just they are the stories of the people you see in the street. They're everybody's stories. There's nothing nothing necessarily seismic has to happen, but what's going on under the surface is you know deeply profound and very very important um i think it's highlighting sort of the the amazing things and i see it in so many people i grew up with or people i I know now and live around i think so many people's lives have so everybody's lives are so complex and i'm really interested in shining a light on that as a writer and kind of uncovering how kind of how amazing as people we are i think and just proving that there is so much significance in in everything you know like the significance in the everyday 
they're they're sort of stories at the moment that really appeal to me and they're the kind of things at the moment i'm yeah putting on the page your play if destroyed still true get that right <laughs> um so you've written this are you are you starring this are you acting in this as well i will be in it as well yeah okay. um, brilliant. and what's what's it about tell us a little bit about what the what the play is about first then okay the piece is, is essentially it's a play about um identity where we come from where life takes us and what happens when when we move away from a small town that is a big part of us what happens when we when we leave that place and where we find home essentially it's what happens when the place you grew up is no longer the place you necessarily call your home and then where you place that um, and the effect that has on your relationships with people from that place but as well as the new people in your life it's yeah it examines all kinds of things it's a real I mean I think it's a very sort of universally relatable thing in that sense I think a lot of people don't necessarily live in the place they grew up and can find going back there challenging in in various ways and extremely comforting and I think it's about yeah looking at looking at the journeys life takes us in and the things we stand to lose if we deny all of what we were the things that have made us am I right thinking this is it's based on sort of a sort of coastal resort a sort of a seaside town or something yeah so for the for the sake of this specific production we've set it on uh we set it in a, a sort of non-specific coastal town in Essex um but really the place about every town that exists in the shadow of a bigger city mm. so you know it can be Bury to Manchester it could be South Shields to Newcastle and actually it's it's inherent in the text it's not written in the text and there's a performance note at the top about how because I mean I'd love for this place to be taken in all different directions by different companies different groups and I'd I'd love to hear it in different accents. And there's a note that says, you know, slang terms and geographical reference points can be adapted based on where the, you know, who's doing the play from production to production. And I think, yeah, it's about being in a town that has been forgotten or feels forgotten and moving away from that place, but knowing that that place is still a part of you. And you, you said, do you say you come from um, South London, didn't you? South East London. Yeah. Not, not, not Elton. I can't remember said now. It's going to read, isn't it? Um, um, no, it was Elm. It was Elm. Oh, it was Elm. Even though it's sort of based on sort of a you know a nondescript Essex town, is it? Do you feel that's written from sort of how you feel about your sort of where you were brought up? In part, yeah. It's certainly it's pulled on experiences myself um, and some of my peers have had. Like I've got lots of friends who've grown up in lots of small towns around the UK, and somewhere like Elm is it's in London, but it's also not in London. It's mm. in the shadow of. It's on the cusp. It's very much, it's places on the cusp. It's like you're, you're there, but you're not quite there. You know, like London is just over there. It's just out of reach. I don't know. It's um, it's a funny thing and it does a funny thing psychologically. I think there are a lot of places in the country where people sort of define where they live. Like a few, like, well, a problem example being obviously, you know, house prices are ludicrously expensive, but like a lot of my mates have moved out into places in Kent, but often they talk about how close that place is to London and that's how they kind of define where they live rather than saying well I live in this place and it's this this and this but I think there are so many say small communities around that fall into they fall under the shadow of the bigger city and I think it's about highlighting those places and putting those people on stage I mean you know I think it's it's, it's a it's a very funny place also a very sad place and it's also it's, you know there's a there's a lot of myself in it I think and the experiences I've had obviously going away to Rada and then coming back home was a real I went I started Rada when I was 21 and that you know it was had a profound impact on me uh, and changed 
a lot of how I don't know, like sort of my imaginative horizons were so blown open, possibly of what the things that you know could be done and the groups I was mixing in. It was just all very, very different. Yes, yeah, so there's elements of that kind of identity crisis because it's like, well, for 21 years I've been this thing, and now suddenly I feel like I could be one of a million, million things. Is is there a part of you know moving away from your you know, where you were brought up and your friends there, you change as is an issue of, you know, you, you, you change and almost grow up by moving away. So going back, you, you, you're different, aren't you? When you go back that would that sort of be a fair reflection? Yes, yeah, certainly. I think, and that's the thing everybody does change. And that's something that certainly explored. It's very much a play about communication and miscommunication and not so much. Now we're all much older, much more mature. And we all have taken ownership of our own lives. But when you are in that, sort of early 20s period of, of existence, you know, you're, you're looking for things to latch onto that define who you are. It's, I mean, I found it, I found it tough going home and meeting up with mates and suddenly conversations that would be so free-flowing and easy are suddenly really stilted and slightly awkward and I don't quite get the jokes anymore and I'm being misunderstood and I'm misunderstanding. And it's very much a play about that, like communication, miscommunication and what we stand to lose if we lose the ability to communicate effectively essentially there's the the, the character james is caught in the middle of the play he's gone off to leeds uni from this town met charlotte who's a brilliant woman coming to his life really changed they're changing his people and she's from a very different background to john who's from the town and it's a a really sort of a i wouldn't call it a love triangle as, as such as but like there's a particularly at the top of the play you see two people you see a person torn between two versions of their life. And it's like, well, there's my Leeds University and this kind of world I exist in now. And also all of this stuff that's built me to the person I am. And it's about finding ways we can better communicate, really. And what we stand to lose if we if we don't uh, lose in ourselves and with other people as well. You go touch on things, mental health, social alienation in this, aren't you? So um, mm. do you feel, I mean, social alienation especially, that, goes hand in hand with coming from these small, like say these small, almost isolated towns that, that are probably still quite small compared to the bigger towns. I'll say, going, I'll say that if your character goes to Leeds University, so coming from a big cosmopolitan place like Leeds back to a small town, there's a change, there's a, there's a sense of alienation for those people still remaining in their hometown. Absolutely. And I think it, I think it happens both ways as well. I mean, like I, you know, I remember, <laughs> you know, my first, Yes, is what I'm saying. But like, and it does happen both ways. Like, I mean, I remember when I first started RADA, I was like, I was scared to talk to the teachers there because, mm. you know, where, where I went to school, you didn't talk to the teachers. You did the work and you got shouted at. They would have, that was the two functions of a teacher, really. And then suddenly, you know, people wanted to have a conversation and know your opinion and all this sort of stuff. It was incredible. But yeah, I think social alienation is a big thing. Also, a big thing is obviously there are lots of communities, particularly, you know, so where, I, where I'm from speaking about mental health wasn't something that happened at all really it was very much sidelined particularly in young men and that's something that's explored in this very much explored in this and we've got some brilliant uh charities that we're collaborating with actually for the productions we have calm who are the campaign against living miserably um and caris on board as well caris islington who are a bereavement and homelessness charity uh, in the local area and they're doing a post-show q a and things with us which is great and we were sort of promoting a conversation i think hopefully from watching this and seeing what happens to the characters in it and seeing, I say, communities that are underserved by the arts, seeing themselves reflected on the stage, it will open up pathways for more open discussion about mental health, 
and things like that. So it's, it's a strange thing with, with the male mental health, isn't it? I find, I mean, theatre is very good at, at covering mental health and, you know, raising it. But do you think outside of our theatre bubble, which we can be lost in sometimes, do you think it's still a problem, especially with male mental health? You know, it's still it's still not discussed enough, it's especially young males. You know, I mean, the suicide, it's, it isn't suicide between 18 and 40 or something is the highest cause of death, isn't it, between young males or something? Do you think yeah, it's still yeah. an issue? It's not It's not covered enough. We don't, it's still almost a taboo subject for sort of young men to talk about. I, I certainly think things are getting better and better, definitely. And like, you can see that and even in, in, in the advertising and the access to it. And like, I'm a, you know, I'm a season ticket holder for my local team and I go there and people seem a lot more open to those topics and you see a lot of advertising for it around. And I think people are more up for talking about it, but even so, it's still a very guarded and slightly, it's certainly a taboo topic. I think it's easy to forget in sort of the theatre bubble, like particularly sort of post-drama school. So many people I know are so, so very open about how they feel, all, like all of us are in that group. But then, you know, I've I've had many experiences very recently of, the experience in the complete opposite of that, you know, and seeing people sort of draw back sort of from society or, you know, evade perhaps answering questions about how they're feeling and being comfortable with the, the idea of, uh, but yeah, speaking about how their mental health for fear of being, you know, like labeled as weak or something like that mm. is very much, I think it's very much still an issue in, in a lot of communities. Definitely. It's, it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's clearly much more, discussed now um i mean i'm of an age when i was i mean when i was at school when i was sort of in my 20s which was a few years ago now um it still wasn't an open topic it still wasn't wasn't discussed enough so but it is it is changing isn't it i think it's and do you think theater has been involved in making that change of conversation i think so and i think i I absolutely think it it has and i think what is needed as well is theater making the effort to to reach the communities that will benefit most from receiving that message which is a big thing that we're doing particularly with with this show so we have we've got a brilliant a production company called nifty 50 films coming in to record the show on, on a free camera setup um which is brilliant because what it means is we'll have a, a version of the play that we can stream mm-hmm. so obviously you know people from a lot of the communities the play is about aren't going to be able to get to the hope theater in the you know in six weeks time from now so or less than that time this recording goes out. <laughs> but, you know, having, a, having that stream and having that as a very accessible way into theatre as well, I think is brilliant. It means we can send those and we will be sending the film out to underserved community groups and schools around the UK. And then it's a, it's a very accessible way to get into the theatre. I think if you, I don't think recorded theatre is necessarily the, I, I don't think it is the ideal way to experience theatre. I think you always want to be in the theatre if you can. But if you can't, particularly in an age where we're all so used to watching, you know, almost everyone has a streaming service they use um, you know, on their laptop or on the telly or whatever. So it's, I think it's a good way of making theatre more accessible is having recorded shows because it's a bit like watching Netflix, you know. Yeah, let's, let's go on to the, the filming of it. Yeah, so is it is it being filmed to to increase revenue so is it going to be shown via the hope uh, the hope to an online service for it i take it are you filming it more because you want to send it out to schools to small communities to try and get it shown you know in in these areas that would never access theater normally 
Yeah, I think it's it's sort of a mix of three things. There's there was obviously particularly at the time the show was programmed, which was a long, long time ago. There was a lot of unsurety uh, about what would be happening with the COVID situation. We certainly did a good contingency plan for that. Um, so this is factored into that. I think it's a big part of sort of the ethos of the company. If we if we say, you know, oh, we're telling these epic everyday stories and it's the story of, you know, the person on the street, da 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 da, da you can say that. But if only a very small pool of very well theatred theatre goers are coming to see it, then you're not really having the effect you want. So I think it was very important to us that we had something that could get that extra reach, that could actually reach those communities. And it will be. Yeah, streamed, I think, via the Hope Theatre website. That's been worked out with the producer at the moment. But there will also be, I say it'll be sent around to schools and stuff. And I think a lot of, there are a lot of people who recognise themselves in this show or people they know in this show who won't necessarily come to Islington on a mm. on a Wednesday night in May. Yeah, because, I mean, ultimately, you're very limited in your audience size, aren't yeah. you? So I well, do that's think... another thing. Yeah, sorry on that. Like, I mean, we only, I mean, I think it's in our setup, I think it's a 45 seater venue. Um, so we're on for three weeks, 45 seats. I mean, there's plenty of, plenty of tickets, but there's still a limit to how many people yeah. you can read. I mean, we could double, triple, quadruple that with access to, say, a film version. Are you having to make any adjustments? I mean, are you in rehearsals at the moment for the play? Is it started rehearsals yet? Rehearsals begin in two, just under two weeks. Very and exciting. You- uh, 10 days today, I think. Are you already thinking ahead about I mean, how how it's go, how you go to perform it slightly differently for the filming or you just go treat it as a stage show and then work the filming around it afterwards? I Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued to say, I know we've got, we're going to have a free camera set up, so it'll be a wide and then two over-the-shoulder shots. I know that we're going to record it twice, both with and without audience, Okay, uh, all on the same day. So we'll sort of have a, an empty matinee and then an evening show. Other than that, I'm not too sure. I think uh, there's a few. I think that's primarily between the director and the um, film producer, but we will see. Um, I'm very excited, and I'm yeah. And I think it's a great. Yes, yeah, so it's a really exciting thing to be doing. I think we are the first show to be streamed from the hope. It's it is. I mean, I do think it's it is a way to go. As you say, live theatre. You know, if you can see the show live, that's the best thing. But you've got you know, it opens up a whole new audience to you. Um, I've, I and I've mentioned it a few times. I think the Space Arts Centre down in um, Canary Wharf area, they've got it spot on because they do a live stream of every performance, pretty, of every one one performance usually on a Thursday night, and it opens up the audience. To I mean, I've been on there and they've had people from America. I think I'd, I think I was there one night, and there was a, there was I think I was I was the only person from London. I think watching the live stream, and there was an American. I think there was someone from Greece one night, Spain. Oh, brilliant. And so they open yeah. up to a whole new audience. So it is, there is, I think the the recording is definitely something I think we need to look at more for theatre now, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Um, and it's just, yeah, it, it really gets the show out there and it's, it's a brilliant way of reaching audience members who like logistically just can't get to where the show's happening. Now, I'm, I'm going to go right back to the beginning here actually now because I never, mm. I should have raised this at the beginning. Now the show is called and laid out if destroyed, still true and you've put a full stop after each word there why what and am i is is it meant to be pronounced as very spaced out like that and why so well it's it's really it's funny it's um so initially this the film uh, the play rather was actually called oh speaking of films um was actually called idst 
just IDST. Now, I thought this was a universal thing that everybody did. But basically, at, our, at my secondary school, we, we went, there, was a, there was a long-standing phase of doing a thing where you'd write something, you know, on, on someone's workbook, you know, like, Dow is a knobhead. And then underneath it, you'd write I.D.S.T, which meant if destroyed, still true, which meant if Dale scribbled out the statement, the statement was still true. And he was still a knobhead. Uh, now, I think in writing this play, I found, you know, there was a lot of sort of reminiscing. It brought back a lot of my, <laughs> you know, my, my younger days. And IDST really stuck out to me. But then, so it sat as the title for a while. I realised pretty quickly that um, from talking to people that other than one friend of mine, um, nobody had a clue what IDST was. Uh, but the statement, if destroyed, still true, I actually think, metaphorically rings really well for what the piece is doing you know this character james he's gone away left home but you know even if that past is destroyed for want of a better word it's still true of the person mm. he is and it's and it i think speaks yeah sort of as a kind of happy accident that's become quite a profound title for the play um everything that happens in life no matter what like it it still forms us no matter how forgotten or gone it is it's part of what makes us the person in the present and i think the place set over eight years and we see the same we see the same cliff edge uh, sort of intervals uh, and you see it slowly age and but there's the erosion and the sound of the waves is a repeating theme and it's that stuff these like big bigger than us forces that are at work a lot of the play you know a lot of the um actually so it's a play about communication and miscommunication a lot of what's going on is actually not spoken it's a lot a lot of it is about what isn't said and the effect that has on people so yeah ids so i mean i so i call it i call it idst nobody else seems to if lots of people call it if destroyed which is quite cool if destroyed it's quite catchy but yeah i mean it's, it's if destroyed still true to be said like that uh i i like idst but um, I feel like I might be I might be forcing that a bit now. I, I feel I feel, yeah, I feel if if you put IDST on a poster, I don't think it would stand out the same way. If destroyed, still true stands out. So I do think I do think you've made the right decision to actually spell it out a bit more. <laughs> it is it is quite an interesting phrase. It's actually a really interesting phrase when you think about it in that that manner. So you're on the hope for three whole weeks. Mm-hmm. Quite quite a run, isn't it? Um, is this your first? Is this your first? big production is this, i mean for jawbones it's your first production isn't it yes it's absolutely so this is our this is our yeah debut production for um, yourself though have you had other things have you had a sort of full-length plays on the stage before or this is also my full my first full-length play um so yeah i've got a couple more sort of you know irons in the fire things hopefully coming up in the next year or so but this one is yeah this is the first one it's very dear to me it's been going on for very very long time um it was, it, and it began i say began the sort of the seed to write it was so while i was at rada and looking around and sort of thinking about my life to be honest and thinking about how far i'd come and how much had changed and it, it sat dormant for a while to be honest it was a you know it was a a play in my in my computer on a notepad somewhere until lockdown came and i thought you know i'm going to sit down and i'm going to actually do this um and that's when it that's when it started to grow. I mean, it's I've been working on it for about two years and there's been various versions of it. Yeah, it began as a conversation with a, a friend of mine who I was at Rada with, who uh, Theo Ancient is his name, brilliant actor. He's also in the production. Um, 
and he's from a small town in Essex called Harlow. And we're sort of talking about, oh, we'd had very similar experiences of going home. And that's really where the play began. And he and I actually wrote a short play together, which grew and grew. And then at one, at some point he separated himself from the, the show and then I took it forward and it developed and grew and changed. And it's sort of come, it's very much, I'd say it's, it's, it's a play set in a world we co-created its own play now. So what's your hopes after this? So say three weeks at the Hope in April, or well, April, May, isn't yeah. it? End of End April, beginning of May. May. And then, and I think you mentioned this about hoping you want to take it on from there, see, or you go see how this three weeks go, and then hope, see if you can pick it, get picked up for elsewhere, or what's the plans? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're hoping really to take the play, as we're saying, nothing compares to live theatre. And what we'd really love to do is off the back of a brilliant run at the Hope, launch a tour of the piece probably in early 23 maybe late 2022 um i don't know too much about booking tours but Mm -hmm. to get the actual piece out to the communities that it that it's that it's about that it's for who see themselves reflected on stage and hope think oh this is great i'll go and watch another play oh this is really interesting you know something that we want to we want to get out and about we really want to get around the uk i'm saying it's uh so i mean if there are any um regional theaters listening in then Please do get in touch. It's I'm fine. It's a topic that I've had a, quite a few conversations with. I mean, won't get too deep into this right now, but I've been speaking to a few people lately about how you get fringe theatre outside of London and mm. um, how you talk. So obviously, touring is not that easy because of the cost of it, isn't it? So it's it's a topic. It's a conversation I've been having with a few people recently, and sort of trying to work out how best you could do it. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I think. I think it's something that I think more and more people are looking at now. Talk, I think, especially you know, there's two years shut down. People are now thinking, how do we get these plays out to a bigger audience? Yeah, I've talked a couple of people I've spoken to lately, and we've had exactly the same conversation. How do you tour, or how how can we get this show outside of London to a wider audience? I mean, I can imagine this sort of, especially something like this. You are aiming at, you know, you could almost aim it at little towns and little. Well, absolutely, and there are so many. That. Yeah, there are so many beautiful small, small theatres around the UK. Mm. In uh, so many towns, have a theatre, and I imagine some are not even sure that they're there. But <laughs> they're, they're the places we want to bring it. We want to really get it in those yeah. spaces and get it into the communities. It would, it would be good. It would say, I do think it's something we really need to be seeing more, more shows trying to push outside London. Besides this, you've got other things in the pipeline, writing wise, then. Absolutely, yeah. I'm working on a very exciting project about non-league football teams, actually. Again, a piece uh, that I'm hoping is going to sort of cross-pollinate a theatre audience mm. uh, or a traditional theatre-going audience with a, a sort of a, yeah, t- a people who support their local non-league club, which is exciting. And sort of a celebra- it's a piece of real celebration of those communities and the work they do, because there's so many of them, uh, they're volunteer run often and and, and done so extremely well and they really suffered during uh, the lockdown period because they didn't have the same financial support that bigger football teams had so that's my next big writing venture really as well as I've got a short film hopefully soon to be finished that I'm working on with a brilliant production company called uh, Bigger Pictures Productions which we're hoping to crack on with yeah soon but at the moment everything is very much like focused think- on this yeah, the, the rehearsal draft is due on Friday, and I'm very aware that it's that it's Tuesday night of that very week. 
So, so you're doing last minute sort of rewrites, even leading up to the start of rehearsals then? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think I've read the play about five times today. So just to wrap things up then, so 60 seconds, one last chance to tell us why should we come and see If Destroyed Still True at the Hope Theatre between 26th of April, 14th of May. Absolutely. Well, it's a play about identity, where we come from and where life leads us. Uh, it interrogates what happens when we lose, t- lose touch with the places and the people that anchor us or our, our own sense of home. And it's it's something universal and I think lots of people will really relate to. Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. Say, and we'll um, hopefully come see the show in a few weeks' time. Smashing. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks so much for listening. Please check out our website at everything-theatre.co.uk where you can find reviews and past interviews that we've done. And please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes where we'll be talking to more of the amazing people who make theatre the wonderful place it is. This has been Everything Theatre. We hope you enjoyed. Yay! <laughs>